Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to News of the Week. Once again, it's your personal and private nutritionist, Connor Rhodes, and I am joined once again in the building and live on the podcast by the great and powerful... Oh, my God. Will Hukin. Yeah. Big energy. Hello, sir. Whoa. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> How you doing, bro? You okay? Good. Nice How are you? you? Yeah, man, I'm well. I'm well. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to see you again. You had a good week? Really good, actually. Oh. Really good. Pray tell. I've actually got a number of things I wanted to talk to you about that are not news. It's just my news. I'd love stuff, to hear. Stuff I thought that, oh, I could chat to the Hukes about this. But you know what? He's here to listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was nice to see you in the gym this morning as well. I thought it was really funny um, <laughs> because your introduction or greeting to me was Wagwan, my G. <laughs> and, and, then my, and then my reply to you was, yes, hello, I'm good, thank you, sir. How are you? <laughs> and you said, yeah. chilling. Thus, thus displaying the full breadth of the English vocabulary. Honestly, I, I, might say. I thought it was funny. You were Wagwan, my G. And I said, yes, I'm okay, thank you, sir. Well, Wagwan, my G. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, chilling, bro. <laughs> I'm good. Nice to be back on the show. As always. Nice to be back on the show. Yeah, my week's been good, though. Yesterday, I went to York. Oh, sweet. I like York. You What's know, I there? do. I do. Were you buying things? That's a nice thing to do in York. No, I went on a solo trip, you know. I went on my Billy Todd. That's super sweet, man. Yeah. Headphones in kind of style. Listen to your podcast, like. Well, the, there was two main reasons. Mm. One is that I wanted to visit the Jorvik Viking Museum. That's cool. And I just don't know anybody else that will put up with that except me. I just don't know anybody else that would even want to go or entertain that. What's there? I feel like I could have been persuaded. Really? Maybe. I don't know. Depending this. on what's there. Well, there's, you do there's, look kind of I, like a Viking. Okay, there's so one shop sense. in York that I love visiting called the York Armoury. <laughs> okay. I've which, never been which there, they just think. sell dirty weapons. <laughs> I know there's the York Army Museum or something. I don't know what the Armoury is. Yeah, so it's just an armoury. Oh. Yeah. They can buy shit. Out. They've got like Rambo's knives and shit. It's cool. But go on. What to was... be honest, I love Vikings, and I would That's only saying, so... I would only class it as okay. Mm. I will tell you why directly. There was only one sword. Oh. And two axe heads. Uh, heads that no. That was it. No rest of the axe. <laughs> no, the rest of the axe. I mean, real ones from actual history. Okay. The, the wood never survives. The wooden handle. Oh, I see. All what you're the, saying. All so the it's an old yeah, wooden. Course, it's course, an old rusty sword. Okay, this makes a sense. A super old rusty looking thing. Mm -hmm. And then two axe heads that were decent shape. But obviously, the wood's not survived. So just two axe heads. And then there were some coins and bits and bobs. But <laughs> I was like, one sword. Yeah. One sword. Is this, did you get to touch it? What's, no. Um, Are you kidding? No, they don't let you touch any of these things. It's in a museum. It's behind a glass case. No one can oh. touch it. No one can touch it ever. Um, so it was okay. I, I, love, I love it though. I love Vikings. So I just wanted to... Have you seen the show Vikings? No. Mm -hmm. But I've argued with my father about it. I, of course you have. You because he to, told you, me. You don't want it to sully anything of the Vikings. Um, for me, I just personally don't watch TV series. As True. I like them too much and I get too into them and then it just absorbs my life and I end up just wasting just hours of time. <laughs> just when I'm already just busy and I've got other priorities. So I try not to watch them. Mostly because I know I love it. Not I because really I don't can't like remember, it. can't remember, can't imagine you sitting down and watching something at all. It's like, I don't think I've ever known of you do that. Um, I do, but only in relationships, basically. Yeah. As like a relationship you told me that before, yeah. thing. Mm. Like if... Because it's nice to watch films, oh, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Very cute. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big film guy as is, though. You are. That's yeah. true. And I also like films. I also like films. Um, I wouldn't say I watch too many. Probably a couple per year. But if you go on... Films? Yeah. A couple a year? Yeah. Wow. And doesn't too many... How many is too many if a couple a year is like... Mm. I might watch, I don't know, 
one every couple of months, you know, something like this. You're funny. Uh, well, are you saying that's a lot or not a lot? I, I watch a lot more movies than you, I think. Okay. But I was going to say, but you know... <laughs> wow, you... that's so funny. Maybe I have a problem. No, I think a lot of people watch more movies than me. Are um, you the, the status quo? Okay, maybe not then. Yeah. I feel like I watch less movies than other people. Okay. Personally, I don't, I don't know for sure. But, you know, if you went down the IMDb mm. list of top 250 films ever, I've watched probably 200 of them. I've watched most of them literally. So I've watched mo- of a quantity. Yeah, I've time. watched most of the best films. And is that how you filter it and then decide? I don't know what's good and what's not Go good. Off. And I'm, I don't like committing to something if I can't. I don't even at least have a recommendation. It's going to be good. Mm. Or you know, if we if you say to me, do you want to come watch a film with me? I'll go because I like you and want you to have a good time. So whether I like it or not, we'll go. Fuck it. That's the same. I'm like it in relationships. Yeah, well. of course. But if I'm if I'm donating my time to it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I've watched most of the best films and then probably a couple of films per year come out and I think that looks good and I'll watch it. But you you repeat watch films that you've seen before, don't you? Yeah. And I know when people do that, but I never really do that. Well, I'm kind of a one and done. Cuz I kind of like I kind of <laughs> like to watch them go away and then research a lot about it and how, how it was made and stuff and yeah. look into a lot of the whatever behind it and then go back and watch it again with I don't know what the perspective the the know of how they did it and whatnot. And and also I guess the you can always like foreshadowing and stuff you can never pick up on the first time around because you don't know what's going to happen. But when you know the outcome, you can often pick up on a lot in the, you're the exactly start right. you're like, excuse me, that was fucking what last time? And yeah, it's kind of cool. It's nice. <laughs> you, do, you do get a different experience sometimes. That. You definitely yeah, do. Yeah. One of my favourite, you just remind me, one of my favourite films is Shutter Island. Have you seen this film? Yeah. With, is it Leonardo DiCaprio? Crazy film, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's Mark one of my... Ruffalo, maybe? Yeah. I don't know the other guy's <laughs> name. I'm not entirely sure. The like New York looking Yeah. Guy. Um, that's one of those films where the first time I watched it, I was like, what? And with the plot twist at the end, and you're like, what's saying, going on? But no, when you watch it back again, you're like, oh, and you can see clues and little pieces. And oh, and why did he do that? Oh, because it relates probably to this thing that exactly. happens at the end and stuff. So I understand. Yeah, yeah exactly. The films I've probably watched the most on repeat would be Lord of the Rings. Wow, really? I really like Lord of the Rings. I always struggle with them, you know, a little bit. It's fine. I don't like Star Wars, and some people love Star Wars. I am in the down the middle of the road with Star Wars. What do you think? It's entirely okay, yeah. I think it's fine. What do you think of the new Star Wars films? I think they're fine also. You think they're fine? And I think they're no worse and I think they're no better than fine. You think they're... In my humbling opinion. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And that's that. That's what I have to say about that. But I, I did... You know, like you said, you like to research things. I did Lord of the Rings research. I know oh, some, yeah. I know some stuff about the fucking... Cool stuff. Middle Earth. Ah, you're the worst guy. I've got a Tolkien encyclopedia down there, that oh, furthest right book on wow. the bottom bookshelf down there. It's a Tolkien encyclopedia. Yeah, I don't know why. I just never got behind that whole universe. No. Too many of the same kind of sounding names and looking peoples. Yep. That's like... Yep. Uh, I see where you're going with this. It just, it just loses me a little bit too quickly. And... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You're a Marvel guy though, aren't you? I am a Marvel And guy. for me, I could never get into that. I never really yeah. liked superheroes, really. I didn't necessarily like superheroes. I like, again, coming from like a, a like cinema point of view, Marvel's just arguably put together like the best display of like fucking cinema in the last 20 years or something. It's just fucking awesome. I've heard this from the, other people the, the than MCU, just you. I, mean, I really yeah. have. I've heard this, but yeah. I've never really... 
I'd have to do a lot of commitment to watch all these films well, and this figure is it. out how, they like how they five now. together. Yeah. And then it's all like, the Avengers. If you film, treated like, it like happening? a series, like a 25-part series, <laughs> it flows quite nicely. And it oh, is, my God. And if you really just subscribe to the idea of, this is just going to take a while, get a Disney Plus, six quid a month, you've got them all except, like, two min. Crack so on. who are some of the superheroes that are, like, top level in the Marvel Universe, then? Because I literally... Top level. Yeah, which are some of the, like, some of the most famous baddies. or best ones? Uh, arguably the most powerful is fucking is called Scarlet Witch she's super cool is that a superhero uh, well she her name is Wanda Maximoff <laughs> okay uh, like, does everybody know about this name? except me is this like a famous yeah, thing I guess or so. is this like a well, niche have, thing did you hear, have you heard of the uh, the series WandaVision that's come out earlier this year I have that was around her uh, and okay, her partner so a lot of people watch that her so vis- people do know about one of the other guys uh, who are also super powerful I get it yes I've Thor's heard. probably the strongest physically I guess <laughs> Okay, Captain yeah. America's a cool guy. He's one of my favorites. I have his helmet at home. I've seen this. Yes. <laughs> made me wear the helmet. Iron Man started it all. I don't know. It's Iron Man's America. one of my favorite superheroes. They're all got the, the, the merits. All the Avengers, is it then? Hulk? Hulk's there. Who else is an Man, Avenger? It's times. Um, Hawkeye's there. That girl with the gun that seemingly has no Yeah, Hawkeye. Hawk the guy Hawk, with the bow yeah. and arrow that doesn't do much. Yeah, he's got some arrows and he's got some flips. I love bow and arrows, but he's compared to like haircut. lasers. And... He's got a slick haircut and he rocked up with a good attitude. <laughs> that's his character experience yeah 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 that's nice um, <laughs> and if you do go on the list of IMDB top films the Avengers films are on there and I've not seen those you know Endgame is the highest grossing of all time now so as decided by all, all by the people it's the best mm. after Avatar uh, no uh, yeah it, it took over Avatar I think yeah I should hope so because it's been a while since then so I we know. need to pull something out of the bag until James Cameron comes out with the next four in one year or something and what do you think to Avatar I thought good Avatar's also awesome yeah I really yeah. enjoyed it I've heard a new Avatar's coming out relatively soon four, is it? four are coming, coming out what in ev- so like there's now in, there's one and they've decided in, just I think we've got 2022 23 24 and like maybe 27 or something they love making money these days don't they man they're like they hey, can do we squeeze with- it can we get some more out they won't do anything without a mini series these no. days <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah what can we spin off of this mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I have no idea what the concept great. of these things are. I imagine it will be good. Yeah, I imagine next it will year be. there's supposed to be a Lord of the Rings TV series coming out, and I'm looking forward to. I'm it. into it. I'm into it. Like, yeah, I will watch that one. I'm into expanding these things and that. This and the other, like Marvel branching off and doing these little um, <coughs> uh, side things that are still in the same cinematic universe, but are little TV shows. It's the first time, like, like you, what? So there's like been that one division, that one division, okay, yeah, one called Loki and one called War, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, three those three this year, and that's the first time that they've ever like um, made the jump, reference wise, I guess, between like big screen and small screen, and like had it in completely just the same existing universe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know it's just cool. It's just cool to see like entertainment and cinema just kind of bleeding a little bit and becoming a little bit more um, consumer orientated. You know, you can just it's just there. Everywhere. All right then. Apart from Marvel, give me a couple of other styles of what you a couple of your favorite films are, and I'll give you a couple of my favorite films. Really? Okay. Uh, I you know what? I'm a sucker for rom coms and stuff as well. Okay, like what? Well, there's one called Before We Go that's um, it's directed by Chris Evans, who's one of my favorite beings of all time. Yeah. Rom coms. You're just trying to be as cute. As ah! possible, <laughs> I'm just trying to take you out, bro. You're just trying to be as cute Ooh. as possible. Well, uh, yeah, I'm a bit soppy. Like I don't know. I what, like some rom coms, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I like I, Silver I, I, Linings you know, Playbook I, is one that I like. Sorry, Silver Linings Playbook is one that I like. Oh, I've seen that. Who's in that? Jennifer Lawrence I know, and I've seen that. the guy, a gentleman whose name I forget. Um, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, that's a super good film. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's an awesome film. He one pl- like he that. Plays like 
a mental health guy. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. a straight and narrow guy that just, yeah, a a wants film. to go through his life. Like, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a, exactly that kind of shit I like. Uh, I'm also into, I really like like in the 80s Hong Kong what? scene and all the stuff that came from that, like Jackie Chan stuff. Really? Jackie Chan stuff, yeah, because... Because just the, well, because like that stuff is like yeah, wide angle. It's like <laughs> wide angle. Yeah, like so. Rush Hour is like wide angle kung fu stuff. So it's all in camera, awesome looking action. That's just because it's a legitimately talented people. As opposed to like if you take something like Taken, it's just Liam Neeson's elbow on screen scuffling about for a second because he's an old man that can't <laughs> fight. Taken. Bless him. Yeah. And then it pans out and he goes. <laughs> gets back in <laughs> and does some other bullshit for a second that you can't see and so it's just not cool whereas I've like a, for so a long one remember. take of just an awesome fight is just the coolest thing so ever. you're so saying like you appreciate like the actual cinematography of things so I like I just like when things are made well filmmaking so the previs like the the physicality the acting the um, camera movement and whatnot, the actual posts alright so give me some examples of other good films then oh my C- god cool more rom-coms or some other <laughs> films that you like throw them out there uh, you know it's hard when you put people Spot no, like it's that. not. If you're supposed to like films, just <sighs> stop that. <laughs> I'm not procrastinating. You know what? I actually have a list of movies on my phone that I've been meaning to watch. Let me call to this to see if I've. Uh, and this is just like you, you know, got got a list of movies that you sort of add to stuff that I should watch soon. I watched Troy not long ago with Brad Pitt. That has one of the best sword fights of all time in it and it's so beautifully choreographed. It's just like butter. <gasps> oh my god. Oh my god, the sword it's so fight good. Is like butter. Okay. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I don't know, let's see. <laughs> Minority Report. I watched that not long oh, ago. That's Report's pretty cool with film, Tom yeah. Cruise. Troy's yeah. quite good as well to be fair. Say again, sorry. Troy's quite good as well. Troy's an excellent. Film. Lost in Translation. I'd watched mm, that not no, long ago. That's with um, Bill Murray. No. Uh, he's in Japan, I think. Okay. And it's just like one of the similar kind of rom commy bumbling around type story. Similar, uh, that The Darjeeling Limited is a funny film that's like Owen Wilson and someone I don't know, and they're just trying to catch a train, and it's like an everything goes wrong kind of film. You know, these kind of things. They're good fun. Yeah. We've got like an. Is this a new segment into the podcast we've created? I just like talking to you about things, sir. I like that it's branching out because I want. If I was to leave like the gym or something, I, I think I'd go into some kind of journalism for maybe like Marvel type stuff. I love that kind of stuff, you know, like try, may, or, or try and do a podcast about it. <gasps> go for it. Deal. Who's your favorite superhero? <laughs> I'm trying. This is my favorite trying. superhero. Iron Man, maybe. He's I, 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 when I tried to think of what superheroes are, then <laughs> I do struggle. I quite like Spider Man sometimes. I feel like you'd say I'm an Iron Man because it's like machinery and buttons and logic. I like Robert Downey Jr. a lot. Yeah, he's so if cool. it wasn't him, I might not like it. It might just be him that I like and he just happens to have the suit. I really like him. He's cool. I, I remember agree. liking Iron Man 1, the film, quite awesome a lot. Awesome film. That's what yeah. started it all, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember liking that quite a lot, being one of the superhero films that I enjoyed the most. And I would say that I, I don't really like Batman. I also dislike at all, Batman. But I really do like the Batman films and I do agree that they're That's really so good. Funny, yeah. I just, I'm the Batman the guy, I'm like, nah, I don't really like the voice or the... Which is strange because it's very similar to Iron Man in principle. It's just a rich guy with lots of That's tech. That's true. I'm not so good at fighting. I just don't really like the voice and maybe the spandex and yeah, maybe, the, cool, I don't know, the yeah. suit. And it's a bit like, it's. I just don't find it cool necessarily. Yeah. But the film The Nolan awesome. one just pulled it off because the whole darkness to it, like, sold it. So, sold it and didn't make it cheesy, but it can just Christian be Bale's awesome. Because otherwise it's just a guy in Lycra, you're right, yeah. Um, they did make it cool later on. I used to like the 
the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger when I was a kid, though, Mr. The Freeze. The Iceman, yeah, yeah, yeah Mr. Freeze. Yeah, and that... Freeze! And the yeah, Ivy yeah. Woman, yeah. what's she called? <laughs> yeah. Poison Ivy or something. Yeah, Poison Ivy. Yeah, I used to like that one. And I mean, that's a ridiculous... with Danny DeVito. Yeah, I've not seen that one, I don't think. That's yeah. a that's a ridiculous film, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I used to yeah. like it as when I was a kid. I want to, and that's one of the other things about, like, cinema, is, like, people forget about stuff back from like the 80s and that but there's just that kind of ridiculousness like if that came out now it would be the worst film ever yeah. and would be totaled to be but you wouldn't watch it and think of it as a worst film ever you'd watch it and think of it as an 80s film or like Jingle All The Way same kind of thing sometimes Stupid. you've got to put stuff in context and this is it and the, they're entirely fun and brilliant films to watch and that like even Friends now if Friends came out now I don't think it'd be a hit I don't think sitcoms with any laugh track <coughs> would be as much of a Does hit sitcom nowadays. these days not have them? Not as many, Less. and they're so much but, wittier and better because it isn't joke, wait for the punchline, and then crowd settles. Because, like, how often do you actually <laughs> laugh, at the, laugh at those ones? Where if you watch something like, I don't know... Friends is good, Friends is funny. Friends is sure. good, Friends is good, a good show, but it's not particularly laugh out loud funny. If you watch something like New Girl that's come out recently, that's super back and forward because there's no laugh track, and so it's so... Chemi chemical between the characters because it's, like, zinging off each well, other. Well, you'd hope things improve over years, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's it. But it's not to say that you can't go back and sort of look at the old stuff and be like, that's so nice still in its context. Yeah. So it's nice that you can jump around and appreciate for different things. Yeah. yeah well, I'm just going to Google something. What are you Googling? When was electricity invented? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what, a little, what uh, little leap in logic did you take? <laughs> It's like the 17, 1800s, sometimes in there. Um, the ele I don't know. Well, I've just Googled it and this is true. It's, oh, it's sorry, saying it's sorry. like the 17, 1800s, like late 17, early Oh, there is a date. Um, it's coming up with different things. It's, okay. I'm not looking into it deep enough to come up with an exact answer. Okay. I'm just trying to talk to you on the show. <laughs> yeah. But it's sometime around there. I was just thinking, well, it's only really been 200 years. You know, and if, if you go back to 1900, was the films then? There was basic film, 1920, did they have film or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that's they, only like a hundred years. No, a bit earlier, about the, 19, the turn of the century. That's, a, that's only a hundred years after definitely... they invented electricity, they invented film. And it's only been a hundred years since then to get to these mad stories that we're talking about. So, you know, like when you're talking I about... I don't know if film or something even might have come before electricity because you don't need well, electricity for film i don't think what are you talking about is that true maybe no because it's just exposing chemicals to light and that's why they did it with a i don't think with a need... what sorry what's a so they had a cape that went over the camera because the film couldn't be like how you expose film nowadays in a dark room essentially simulate a dark room outside that they would open to expose it to the light to damage the chemicals and yeah, you're pretty right, bro. You, oh. you, you've got this nailed on here, close. Um, it says in the 1880s, um, they they started, um, they invented celluloid film. I don't know what that is. But you also reminded me of those light boxes from even before that, where somebody would create a wooden box with a tiny pinhole in it, and then you would they would spin oh, something. Then, yeah. yeah, do you remember? That's, yeah. that's, that's a, a film without electricity. Yeah. And then you could put pictures onto a wooden carousel and then spin the carousel, and the light would come through the pinhole and, be like and a, shine a, onto a the black hole, and it would play dancing. a backwards and upside-down film. Kind of thing, yeah. Due to like lights, what is it? Refraction. Yes. Wow, science, God. Oh my God. Oh, science. Refraction's exactly science. right as well. I think. Oh my God. <laughs> I think we did it. I would say for my favorite films, though. Well, I'll say my my two favorite directors are. Oh. Um, That's interesting. 
<laughs> I'm going to go for... Who's who's the guy again that did Pulp Fiction? Um, Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Blanked on the name then for a second. I like a lot of his films. I like Pulp yeah. Fiction. Um, I liked Django. Um, what are some others that he did? Hateful Eight I thought was okay. Yeah. yeah. He also did Hill, Kill Bill. Well, yeah, yeah. I thought Kill Bill films. 1 was okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I saw the second one. It, the, you kind of have to. It's like one film. Oh, I thought there was two separately. I don't yeah, know. yeah, it's two parts. It is. It came out, I think, a year apart or something. But it is just. It oh, just I didn't see the second one. Yeah. No. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't see the second one. Uh, Those are good films. Then they are. And Quentin Tarantino is a. It's funny. It's like a, a, um, a cliche answer, but it is because it's fucking true. He is a legitimately one of the best. I would agree. Yeah. One of my other favorite directors is Guy Ritchie. Yeah, also legit. I really like a lot of Guy Ritchie films. They're ve- they're they're very. <laughs> I know that's again very stereotypical. That's like something. Well, they're, they're the freaking metaphorical and wordy, and you you can't understand one on the first watch, <laughs> more or less any time. I uh, find. Did you see his one of his latest films called The Gentleman? Yeah, brilliant film. But again, I loved it. I thought it's great. just so. Hey, you know, I'm the guy. It's so it's so wordy and just back and forth that you just can't really follow the plot the first time around. Oh, I'm looking at different because they're just talking metaphors. Well. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, little, it's got a lot of smart language, there's a lot of cockney rhyming slang in there, the scenes are always cut backwards and forwards between different characters and times and stuff in his films. Yeah. But I always find it exciting, I like how it pieces together. It's, yeah. a, it's a very stereotypical, like, non-film person's answer to say, but <laughs> a lot of Guy Ritchie films. Um, I also listened to him himself on the Joe Rogan podcast as well and thought he was an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. I thought he was so intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at some other Quentin Tarantino films. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was very good, Inglorious yeah. Bastards is very good, yeah. Reservoir Dogs is good. Yeah. These are good he barely misses Reservoir Dogs was his first <laughs> film ever and it was mad how he filmed that he barely misses does he he um for that one he just went and rented a camera for the day on Fridays and then couldn't return it because they're shut so he'd get it for the weekend and then this was because he worked throughout the week he'd go and shoot the movie Reservoir Dogs over the weekend and I think he shot it like four times scrapped it every time mm. until he got it kept handing that camera back in on Monday and rehiring it for the weekend and that's how he shot his first movie ever which is just crazy which is why, like, case in point, like, you just don't need particularly much to make a good movie. I suppose there's, there's just different levels of things, isn't there? Um, like, there was the Blair Witch Project. Do you remember that? I don't do that kind of shit. I, do, I also don't like horror movies or scary movies, but that's well known for being a very famous True, movie yeah. for filmed on, like, a very string, shoestring budget kind of thing. I think that thing. one might have got the record for, the like, one of the best profitable returns of That's all what I'm time. saying. And then on the yeah. other side of it, there's Avengers fl- flipping Endgame where it's, like, millions and millions of pounds of CGI and unbelievable production, isn't it? But both for, can be good in different this, ways. Yeah, yeah. Both can be good in different ways. I'm looking at different Guy Ritchie films. Snatch is amazing. The Gentleman I really enjoyed. Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels is good. Rock and Roller? Yeah, Rock and Roller. I've not seen Wrath of Man. That came out 2021. Sherlock Holmes, flipping good. King Arthur as well. King um, Arthur's good. I like Charlie Hunnan. Yeah, I do. I really like He's him cool, well. man, for some reason. I want to watch Sons of Anarchy. Good. These are all good films. Yeah. These are all good films. I like, <laughs> I like him as a guy as well. Who? Guy Ritchie, mm. actually, when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast and I listened to it, I really I liked it. I don't know much about him. I thought it was really just, I don't know, he seemed really intelligent to me. Who's the guy that the director that I listened to a podcast earlier on that I liked? Yeah, sometimes it's weird when you see their personalities come forward a little bit. Mm. There's one director that really, who is it? Uh, Michael Bay, I think. Okay. He, he's super into fitness and he's super cool and he like pops a gym up on every 
um, set that he ever does, like Transformers or something. He's like, it's important for the cast to stay in shape. Oh, that's so good. So he like builds a gym and has them all, and like makes them train every day and shit. It's super cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I agree. Mm. Segway to fitness. I was just going to say that'd be a nice segue to start talking about <laughs> some <laughs> of our usual health and fitness style stuff. I've got some things that I wanted to talk to you about. Hit me. First one. You know the personal trainer Marcin Misovic. I do know him. Yes, shout out to like Marcin. He asked me a question, mm. and I thought, hmm, I don't actually really know the answer to this question. And then I thought, oh, I'll just ask Will on the podcast and see what he thinks. Because it's a super basic question. <laughs> oh, no. It's, oh, I, no. I, honest, I honestly didn't, couldn't really give a good answer. You're going to make me squirm and be exposed. No, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you would say to this. I just think it would be interesting to bring up. Um, he's planning, or he's made, or making made, um, like a workout and training instructional like ebook for his clients. So he's explaining different things about working out and different workouts and how it works with training and all, everything behind it. So and he, he sent me a text and then called me and said, you know a cool down that comes after the workout? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And he said... If you were going to explain to someone what that's for, yeah, what would you really say? Right. And I thought, I mean, I know what the textbook answer is, <laughs> but I have never done a cool down. And I don't think I've ever done a cool, like an official, like five minutes on the static bike cool down with one of my clients ever. Have you? I think that correctional answer is your answer, isn't it? That's it. So I didn't know what... I thought... He asked me what the cooldown's for, and I thought... Not the... I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't really know. No. It just says it in textbooks. It says that that's what we should do. Yeah, it's just... But it is what just is one it? of those. I mean, it also says that kids shouldn't train when they're young in textbooks still. Hopefully it doesn't. Uh, it's you true. know, it's, it's... Everything's wrong. Everything's stupid. <laughs> so what do you think the cooldowns? This is what I want to talk I, to you about, one thing. No, it's not. I mean, yeah. Is it, like, is it real? Defined by what? What is this? What is <laughs> That's this? What I mean. What is it? And why to, are we doing? Give me it? any is it substance real? as to what this is. No, no, I want you to give me the substance. Oh, okay. I don't understand okay. what's going on. No, I, I think so. Usually, I guess the first place you'd hear of like a cool down would be in PE or something at school, and you usually have like a yeah, soft okay. warm up for things. And I will. I'll tell you what. I'll use my first example. I can remember being at the top of the school drive, about to go on the run for PE, the PE lesson around like the the block around town, and. They get us to do static stretching first for a couple of minutes, yeah, and then a couple star jumps or whatever, and yeah. then just set off slowly and then start going faster. That right, sounds fair. However, the issue is there that on a cold morning they've got kids in not warm things stretching cold muscles first and then doing a light warm up afterwards. Yeah, you should rotate those round up. They shouldn't do the stretching at all first. You shouldn't stretch, but static stretch like that before. So if you just want to get things warm and elastic, you don't want to stretch past your natural range of motion to a position that you are compromised in because it by, by um, not being there. Okay. usually do you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, and same with training as well so that concept is same there you don't want to particularly statically stretch things before you train them unless you're not training them and what I mean by that is if you were training like overhead press you might stretch the the compromising muscle would be the lat but then you're not actually using that do you know what I mean okay you're mobilizing it to assist something else that's fine and whatnot but that's how you would start it but then when you get to the end they maybe get so first of all that's wrong is what I was saying um then when you get to the end and there's a cool down what would they have you do kind of just again bring it down slowly and a few more stretches <laughs> like the static stretches yeah that's a nice idea that's where you would want to do them and I have done a few stretch stretches end. with my clients at the end of sessions but I don't know if I'd class that as a cool down I class it just as a bit more stretching yeah we're not doing it because it specifically cools anything down no exactly 
exactly. Don't know what that really means. No. There isn't really any concept behind that at all. And I've never really seen any other personal trainers that are top level doing really cool downs or recommending. I've never really seen athletes do much. No. Quote unquote cooling down. I mean, it's... A, it's do, you, do you do easier exercises towards the end of the session you usually do? You do. You know, you taper workouts yeah. down from the hardest, most dangerous stuff down to the easiest stuff. But that's so you do kind of taper to match out. your energy as it as yeah. it drops. And safety levels and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that's not for. Yeah. It's not, no. But mm. you never cool down for the sake of for, for it needing to be a cool down. Yeah, you might go and stretch, and then you're stretching for the sake of trying to get more flexible, mm. not for the sake of you've done a workout. Do you know what I mean? Mm. The set the, usually the second I've done my last set, I just pick my shit up and leave. Um, assuming I've done everything I want to do, you know what I mean? The cool down would just be the last rest period, in my opinion. Yeah, and like this is all assuming. Still, yeah, like this is all assuming that your training is on point and that you are going through every range of motion perfectly for every exercise. Uh, you do mobility and things like this beforehand, uh, and you address weak points. Like if you are legitimately tight somewhere, you are addressing that stuff. But again, is that a cool down? Yeah, that's just all stuff that you would need to do at some point, not necessarily after. There's nothing yeah. you need to do after, is there? No, there's no like specific... All right, fine. So you also think cooldowns are semi-not a real thing? Yeah, entirely right, good. not a real thing. Yeah, good. Um, and I he said entirely. to me, what should I do about cooldown then? Should I put it into the guide? I said, do you do cooldown? I say, fuck all, skip. He said, he said, no. And I said, well, then no, don't write things I in the I said, go home, sit down, do. chill out. <clears throat> cooldown. Yeah. All right. And then on the opposite side of things, I wanted to talk to you a bit about warming up, which obviously is a real thing. Um, and if you know anything about me and my training, I like to warm up a lot. Yeah, I, you do. It's true. I do loads of warming up. I, despite everything you just said, stretch for at least half an hour. <laughs> I know you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the upper body and the legs. I do it basically every morning regardless. It doesn't matter whether I'm training or not, really. I do a bit of upper body and a bit of leg stretching. Then usually I'll do a bit of specific warming up for the legs or the upper body depending on which one I'm training. Like if I'm doing upper body training, I'll usually do some shoulder warming up. Like I'll get some two kilogram dumbbells and I'll do front raises for 10 and side and then above and then a bit of rotator cuff and I might do a few press ups on the floor and then I'll do a few rear delts. I'm just trying to move and I'll do bicep curls and tricep extensions. I'm just trying to lightly move every upper body muscle to get blood flow into the area. If it's legs, I'll usually do body weight squats and body weight hip thrusts. Back to back, two or three rounds, just to literally get the legs moving. Then I'll start warming up on the actual specific exercise I'm starting on, which might be bench press or squat or hip thrust, and then I'll start with the bar and start incrementally warming up. And that all sounds normal. Lately, though, <clears throat> I've been doing the stereotypical level three personal trainer thing of before that doing five minutes <coughs> on the cross trainer. Oh, full PT style, yeah. Yeah, I've been giving myself, not my clients, just myself, I've been giving <laughs> myself, on a me after the stretching, so I do it at home, upon immediate entry to the gym, either run to the gym, and I count that as the warm-up, if it's at the gym that's, that I go to that's slightly further oh, yeah. away than the one you work at. Mm -hmm. um, if I go to your gym or something, five minutes on the cross trainer, and I feel so much better. It's actually, I feel like it makes a big impact. Then when I get to the little... I don't class it as mobility warm-up, but my loosening up section of the warm-up where I do either all the shoulder bits or yeah, the, all the squats yeah. and hip thrusts. I already feel way more warm and my blood's pumping and my heart rate. and But it feel a lot stronger. I feel just more ready, yeah. way more ready. And I feel more awake and ready for it. And then I obviously do the normal warm-up. And I just wanted to ask you then, why do you think that is? Why do you think I'm, I'm noticing a benefit from doing the cross-trainer? Do you think it's in my mind? Do you think it's only psychological? Because Leon said that to me one time, you know, 
obviously Leon Manti, shout out. He said to me once that he thinks half of warming up is psychological. Mm. And I couldn't agree or disagree. I just thought about it and thought that's an interesting way of thinking about it. I wonder how much of warming up is psychological versus... I know injury risk and stuff's reduced, so it's obviously a real thing. But I wondered, is it just in my mind, do you think, that the cross trainer makes me feel better? Or do you think it's... I also thought it might be because I'm older. As I'm getting older, am I requiring more warming up? Is it because I train harder now and better and more effectively that I require more warming up to get to the ready state to actually perform my exercises because I now perform them at a higher intensity and level? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? I don't know. What do okay. you think? Yeah, um, I think that a big part of it is the mental side of things. And I think that when I, when I tell people about warm-ups and general warm-ups, like jumping on a cross-trainer, mm-hmm. one of the biggest reasons I say to do it is to get your head in it and to I've feel noticed like that I feel you're not wo- lethargic. I'm awake and I'm, yeah, man. I'm ready. Because it's very hard to get go... Get your blood pumping. Yeah, exactly. Get your lungs going. And it, do- and it just gets you moving and not feeling like a, just a heavy sack of shit, you know? Heavy, <laughs> feeling like a heavy sack of shit. Yeah, okay, it's yes. not what you're going for. That's Sometimes nice. I feel like a slug, I'm not going to lie. Exactly, like and a... if you go and you get on there, and that'll kind of wake you up and get you into it. I definitely think that someone like, like that. yourself as well, like the sheer, your like skeleton and whatnot has been battered over the years, not in an unhealthy way, but just in a way that it's had stress on it. And as well as that... What do you as, mean, through exercise? Or yeah, through exercise, like, just like um, pressing and moving things and picking things up and... Things growing is inherently uh, incurring damage and then um, growth as well. But, you know, it's, it's that whole process. So there's been damage across the years, as healthy as it all is now. And that just means as well that as you've created that damage and you've got, you, your brain has understood your body better, you also know all your injuries. And you know how like 80% of people have a whatever tear in their shoulder but don't know about it? And they think that people at the gym injure themselves at the gym. No, you often discover your injuries at the gym Mm -hmm. because everyone's got them. And it's just that you test them to figure them out. And you've tested for so many years that you've just, you're so hyper aware of all these little things as well. That it's probably nice to just get on that, get them all ironed out and get the blood flowing, like you say. Because you'll you'll be so, so, so much more aware of your body and what it feels like than someone new at the gym. Mm -hmm. So much aware. Mm -hmm. Like your brain is probably just all over your body. You can feel it in that, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of people wouldn't have that kind of mechanical feedback a lot of the time without years of training. I understand. I feel like I've maybe underestimated the value of five minutes on a cross trainer. Mm. Particularly for people who are not used to exercise. Like for me, I'm doing it to wake my body and mind up a little bit and get my blood flowing before I go hardcore. But for somebody whose body and mind are never really, maybe they're never, never woken that up, up, up that well. You know, they're, they're always feeling a little bit sluggish. They're always feeling a little bit tired. They're not used to exercise. They're not used to getting their body out of first gear. Yeah. Getting into third, fourth or fifth. Exactly. So I, thought, I think maybe I might have, not that I haven't done that, those kind of warm-ups with clients because I have done because usually I like to chat to people mm-hmm. for five or ten minutes at the beginning and rather than just stand there and talk about how life's been going and what we're going to do today, I can just get them to just move a little bit. So I do those warm-ups with clients. But now that I've felt the benefits for myself, I feel like that might be an area where I've slightly underestimated how advantageous that might be for somebody who's unfit, getting them or unfitter, should we say, or not used to the exercise. Yeah, getting absolutely. them on a cross train of five minutes, get their head and body into it. The way I would say it is that it, the end point is it spits me out in a much kind of more crystal clear, focused 
position to do my workout in mm. if I've done something like that. But I think how it gets there is kind of 50-50 psychological and physiological maybe. Like it's really actual, nice yeah, there's blood flowing, things are getting warm. For me, I would like extend that kind of theory of, the general warm-up like i always do some like back extensions on a foam roller i'm always in the bottom of the squat i've started doing cossack squats now i do some like i do very like um power orientated squats i try and do in my warm-up to where i like descend on the way down and then try and not jump but stand back up to the top as fast as i can squeeze all the muscles and that just I do it, this. yeah it appropriates you for the demand of the workout which when you're trying to lift something heavy you just you don't want to go in and have it feel like a like a ton of bricks on your back or something because it's just miserable in it mm -hmm. like if you're walking something heavy out and that's another thing as well like say when you, if you're totally on talking about the psychology of it it's really interesting like i know on any given day if i decide one way or another i could walk out 130 kilos and have it on one day feel like 100 kilos mm -hmm. and be like and sometimes to the point of looking to the side to think have i put enough weight on this yeah or on another day walking and make it feel like 160 kilos. Oh, definitely. Just because like, yeah, what, what I haven't, and my brain's not in it. And it's often just because you haven't taken that time to get it. Sometimes there. it's what foods you've eaten. Sometimes it's how you've mm. slept. Sometimes it might be underlying illnesses. Sometimes it might be training fatigue. Sometimes yeah. it might be other stresses. I can do 60 kg um, for eight to 10 on a military press. That's stupidly strong and I hate you for Today, that. Today, I only did 40 for 10 and found it hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's 50, is that how much, what? No, I was gonna say that's 50% less, it's not. It's, uh, it's, it's, some, it's a third less, isn't it? I guess. 75% less, um, I don't know, yeah. It's a third less. Yeah. Um, but that, just to illustrate the point, literally, I can usually do 60, not bad. Um, good amount of reps. Today I was on 40, like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it does, it ebbs and flows. And even on a bigger scale, strength isn't linear, it goes up and down as well, so, yeah. Yeah, for me, I've not been eating much, so I think it's down to the dieting. That'll be a big thing. I actually... That's literal energy in it. It takes energy to move things. You're trying to move things in the gym and you're not putting much energy in you. You're going to get weakened. <laughs> I have gotten leaner, but yeah. I've also gotten stronger. <sighs> Power. You know, since going the back to the gym. The holy grail of training. Since going back to the gym after lockdown. Yeah, yeah no, it makes I've sense. I've also been eating so well, you can't even believe. Yeah, good man. I'm actually going to stop dieting now because I feel if I get leaner than this, it may become unhealthy. Good. Up to, up to be honest, honestly. That's, no, you're in the perfect position now. Because now you get to bulk up from being shredded to just nicely lean and see stupid strength gains if you do it and stay shredded for all of it. No. I'm going to try and, yes, I'm going to try and main gain. Ah! <laughs> Maintain while well. gaining. I know you don't really want to get any fatter again. Um... You do well, you look good like this, I agree. I don't know if it's 100% realistic to maintain this body fat forever, continuously. Well... Um, but close to, yeah. I could, variation of a few percent slight body fat increase, like at Christmas and on holidays, I'll gain a bit, and then yeah. when I come back, I'll lose a bit. Exactly how life should be done. But it's getting to the point where my body fat levels are very low, and I'm just, I, I would like to get it tested, to be honest, on a DEXA scan. I'd be interested to see where you would be. I would, and I hope it's higher than I think, because I do still have some fat, like, particularly on my back here. I have some fat there, and I'm glad for it, because I don't have... Any on the legs at all, none on the your arms, arms none, are super shredded, none on the chest, your not arms really much. No, super shredded. Not yeah. really much on the abs anymore. There yeah. is slight, but it's not much. But I do have some back fat, and I think, oh my god, thank god, I need that for clinging survival. on. I know body fat produces essential hormones for your body. Yeah, you, you actually need some, or I mean, it's, it's an interesting toss up because I think as well our priorities are slightly different. But I would say that it's good fun training in a surplus yeah. as well, just for enjoying training yeah. and whatnot, and the the. The my favorite time that I ever did that was when I cut had been just under ten percent and then bulked into yeah. like 
13%, which again is just shifting from shredded to lean. It's still it's, I'm still leaner than everyone else in the fucking gym, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I just get to put on, I put on 10 kilos of weight in, a, in like- some good eating. Yeah, bro, in, and it's obviously a bit of regain, water, eating. whatever. But then after that, just like, imagine the, how the weights were feeling good, knee pain went away, oh, it was great. Right now, I feel good. I've been getting stronger. My energy levels are good. I sleep well. I can run. Um, I'm not the strongest I've ever been, but I'm doing well. Yeah, but you're the, one yeah, of the leanest good. you've ever been. It makes right. sense. So I'd, I'd like to get my body fat level tested on Indexa, just because if it Where can, can you do that? I might do, because I've been thinking about going to London anyway, because I really want to go to the British Museum. Yeah, if you go to London, that looks lame. Uh, I think you do. I think there's one in Birmingham, but... You want to go to the British Museum? That's I, I already want to go to the British Museum, yeah. And again, I'm going to go alone because I don't know anybody that will put up with that except me. Yeah, I will. Who wants to come with me? I don't want to go with And you, people, if if anybody's thinking, I'd like to go with him. No, you wouldn't. No, they no, they don't. No, you'd underestimate the amount of time that I will stare at each artifact from Egypt. <laughs> I, I will stare blankly. Yeah. Mulling over things. Staring blankly is all you do, A Connor. long time. Yeah. I spend a lot of time thinking. Man. I know you do. <laughs> a thoughtful man. Honestly. Um, like when I went to Leeds Armoury, um, you know, the, oh no, it's called the Royal Arm, Royal Armoury Museum, isn't okay. it? It's full of just swords nice. and just armour. I can, I can stare at a sword so, for a while. I'll go for swords and that. That's my armoury in York. See, same thing. Well, if you want to go to Leeds Armoury, we can definitely go there. All right, um, I want to go there soon again. Can I take time, my axe? No, I don't think you're allowed to take your own weapons, to be honest. Sure. I think it's, it's more like a museum, you know. Have you ever been there? No. Well, you might like it. I might like it's it. It's kind of boring unless you like a lot of swords and guns. Oh, I prefer touching things. You can't touch things. Uh, Everything's... It, they're real artifacts. Yeah, see, that's the problem. They've got thousands of swords. I see, there's... It, therein likes a difference. I like the melee, like... You like of, chopping I things. just like, yeah... This is not the same. You want it to be historical yes, and a little I do. boring. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. No! You want to chop things with an actual sword. <laughs> no! I don't know lame. what legalities of that are in the UK. Sorry? I don't know what legalities of that are in the UK. I don't know if you can chop things. Uh, yeah, sure. No, I don't think that's how it works. I, don't I... think you can just say, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's just how it works. Um, I don't know. Like, you can go out and just buy an axe from you can. any shop. So you, you can, can buy a sword as well. You can go and chop things. You can buy a sword, yeah. I yeah, don't know what yeah. the legalities of exactly, using it are. Exactly. You definitely can't carry it places. No, that's true. No, you definitely can't take it places. No, you can't. And well... No, that wells blurred lines. Blurred lines are dangerous. You can't carry swords or axes, kids. <laughs> Stay in school. <laughs> yes, exactly. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about, just switching the topic, no segue required, uh, was something you mentioned before we started the show. You asked me if I find split squats, Bulgarian split squats, more quad or glute, bum muscle training, mm. or dominant would be a word that you would use. Um... <laughs> And for me, it's definitely quads, but I have noticed since I've been training my glutes a lot recently and making good progress, my bum is looking perky. Oh. Honestly. Oh. Honestly. Slap of a lass. You'd be surprised. Um, But since working glutes a lot, now when I'm doing split squats, I'm starting to notice more pain in the glutes while doing it and more activation. Even in normal squats as well, I can feel the glutes moving more and then contracting more now that they're bigger and stronger. And I've been focusing more on training them specifically. Yeah. And I've been doing every glute exercise in the world like an Instagram girl. (laughs) 
I, I do glute kickbacks. Right, glute, glute to I feel the like glutes have been a abduction. goal of yours for a while. Yeah, it was probably or two years. Always, I feel. I think you maybe always did the glute training a lot, but it was more. I saw you doing it with your clients or something. I always knew you. Did I've that. always done some. Yeah, but my they're just not. My quads are just massive compared. Well. For me, <laughs> for, for me, compared to some people who've got like massive legs, yeah. obviously no. But for me and my proportionality, my quads are massive. They mm. don't need to get any bigger. I don't even want them to be quads bigger. Quads are sexy though, man. Literally. Quads are the coolest thing. Yeah, but I think mine are fine, honestly. I don't want them to be right. bigger. But bum muscles, I could go for some more perk, you know. But I'm just underestimating. I'm doing it three times a week at the minute. And it's working, but it's just slow. Like building all muscle just takes ages, doesn't it? But now I'm noticing... Now that I'm trying to become less quad dominant, and I'm just, I'm still training thighs, obviously, but less. Now that I'm working the bum muscles more, I'm noticing them work more in other exercises. Even walking, I can notice Getting more, more activation. Even walking just in the streets, like if I start to go up a hill, I can feel my actual glutes moving more. I feel like it's sw- changing my hip position very slightly. Interesting. Honestly. Yeah, when um, I have some weird feedback, and I'll t- when I walk up a hill, I thought I'd, I was literally doing it, and it's funny that you said it, on the walking over here. You know that little cobbled street by that white coffee place just mm-hmm. before walking up there and every time I walk up there there's a little bit of window that you see yourself walk back in and I always see my leg like go backwards and just because of the way my brain works and sees like things in mechanics I always picture it as like a bull's leg just going <laughs> and like the glute just contracting and because I can feel it happening like I just mm-hmm. feel the whoosh and the swooping effect and like there's just such a sort of proprioceptive it's feedback interesting. in Walk, my brain. Is it when you can feel your own muscles moving. It's crazy it's like it's weird it's it, it's a hard like thing a to describe to people that wouldn't be able to because it's like having a, a, another sense it's like being able to close your eyes and still see colours or something it's mm-hmm. like I can see the activation of my glutes almost it's you can so, feel it from inside you yeah the actual it's muscle cool. working it's, it's so a real cool. thing yeah it's a real thing um, and in your brain as well not just in your body yeah. it does take a long time to learn that like you can't yeah. really change and that's when you can go back to like training like now I'm doing this hypertrophy phase I've decided to do that because I've developed this good proprioception through strength training I'm going to take it back to light weights for a couple of weeks maybe months now and see if I can develop a better physique you will be able to so this is what what I'm trying yeah an easy way for the listeners at home to understand what we're talking about would (laughs) would be can you with your chest muscles whether you're a a female or a male can you do a pec bounce you know when you see people do (laughs) yes like that can you do a pec bounce because if you can't that's what we're talking about can you get a muscle on your body and think about it contracting and then cause it to move and squeeze and it took me years to learn that on my chest muscles because my chest muscles had to get big enough to the point where I could actually control that is a thing it is a thing it is a thing well the more muscle you've got the more feedback you've got to to listen to and that's a really big thing like for years doing pull ups I would just feel like I was just trying really hard to pull myself up but now that I can do a lot and I've been doing it for a long time I can actually get the lat muscle the actual muscle that runs down the back to pull me up specifically and just squeeze that muscle in at the bottom and use it as hardcore as possible but it takes a while to develop that, as you say, appropriate. I think that's exactly control. the right way to say it, how you said is, and it's, it's what I teach your clients as well, is that there's a couple of different stages to tra- learning like the technique. There's learning and just kind of copying the technique and doing the movement and learning so it looks the, the same. movement so it looks the same. Yeah. And then there's the kind of brain orientated technique. Bodybuilding, they call it mind-muscle connection. Exactly, the proprioception, which is, okay, this is the movement. Now you're thinking about using these muscles to yeah. do it. And then you find people get from listening to you and copying the exercise to understanding the exercise and, yeah. and 
putting their own spin on it. Yeah. Which is what you, where you need to get people. That's why I always kind of, that's why you've got to try and lead clients too. Is like, look, here, I've spat you out within the realms of safety. Within this, I want you to play around and figure out what's optimal for you because what's different for me is, you know, it's not going to be the same. So yeah, that's a nice idea. Yeah. Mm. Keeping in the same vein then, one of the other things, probably the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was I just wanted to ask you what you thought the effectiveness of the exercise, the glute kickback was, talking about bum muscles and about you striking mm-hmm. through the heel then. Like um, a cable loaded one or like a, a, a body weight? Cable. Cable, good, okay. Yeah, no. Um, <coughs> only because I've been doing it um, and I've been doing it two or three times a week and finding it very effective. I always do it after hip thrust. So I always start off the glute workout with yeah a heavy compound, either single leg or double leg hip thrust. Then I've been going immediately onto glute kickback and doing like an isolation. I'm up to like seven plates for like mm-hmm. sets of 15. That's cool. So quite heavy. I yeah. have to like drag myself back and pin myself that's on the it. bar. That, and that's then the I can thing, go boom it? and power it You back. just have to know where to apply it because it has its weaknesses and that's that it's not a strong exercise, but it's great for proprioception. It's great for squeezing the glute. Yeah. Maybe be better than a lot of other glute exercises and so yeah you'd put it in at the end of the session where you're playing to its strengths uh, of squeezing it because you've you've been connecting with it all session it's a bit like a tricep and it's got blood in it but for, uh, yeah. for glutes it's like a specific well it's isolated... more like a it's more like a lat raise because the, yeah, it's the like glute a lat raise of, is yeah, you're the right, delt actually. of the of the yeah. hip yeah and the, 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 the tricep the would quad, be the quad the thigh and the biceps the yeah. hamstring yeah, that, yeah. Makes, that makes more sense what you've just said that makes sense. I was just thinking about an isolation yes, type yeah, movement right, yeah. but yeah that makes perfect sense the glute and the delt being essentially yeah, the, same the same thing same thing the delt's a lot more annoying and um, yeah yeah more complicated and more action is what yeah, I understand sure, what you yeah. mean in principle um, but yeah it, you couldn't load heavy on it so you wouldn't pretend to put it early in a session but when you've when you've essentially set aside an hour of time to learn what the glutes feel like by training them it's a great time to put in a nice easy squeeze exercise at the end where you can compound on that education even more squeeze it even more uh on an exercise that you can't lift much weight on and then bam that works i'm just trying to get as much volume as possible yeah, and there's not it. many there's not many and it's very low ways. very low fatigue that exercise it as well easy, yeah. um, i imagine you just do one leg to fatigue jump straight into the other leg and then back go, 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 and then back, and then back and until back. i guess three sets until failure let the rest Probably just drop sets, off yeah naturally yeah and that's perfect isn't it Whereas you couldn't really do that approach with hip thrusts because it's just a bit too it's too tiring. much death it's hard <laughs> too much death yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. I usually start the workout lately with five sets of hip thrusts, but and that I probably do three warm ups and then five workings, and it probably takes half an hour. Yeah, just man, for that's that. Intense. The glute thing takes and that's speedy. I might five add or as well. ten minutes. Yeah, I, I, I did do three sets of working squats yesterday. It took me an hour, including all my warming up and shit. Yeah, you go a lot heavier though, and I'm doing I'm doing sets of. 15 I was doing on... 14s yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, Maybe you're just why. lazy then, because that should only take like three to four minutes to recover between sets. If you take longer than that, you're kind of taking a piss. I don't think I ever took any longer you than four to, minutes. You need to do cardio. Oh, that's fair then. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Squats is harder than hip thrusts, though, probably. Maybe I'm just spending a minute warming up. Yeah. Yeah, you do spend a long time warming up, but you do lift a lot of weight and you do need it. So. Oh, look at that. It's good as well. I'm a big fan of warming up. I, I wouldn't say over warm up, but I don't get any of my clients or anybody. I don't ever suggest anybody warms up as, oh, as much as me. Yeah. I sometimes use it as extra working volume. I don't even mind. Um, like I'm squatting at the minute around 90 kg, but when I'm getting above 60, I still sometimes do sets of five to 10, sometimes one or two sets. Yeah. It's still extra working volume. It's not a waste of time. It's still more weight moving through the legs. I, often, I like it. I think I often find just in life in general, the the more time you put into the previs of a lot of operations and projects and things, 
just the smoother the operation goes, the better the outcome. I mean, pre-vis, what's that? I mean, pre-vis. Um, vis is in visualization. Yeah, just the, the planning, the, the the foresight into it, the the slow kind of steady approach. And in training, that is like, like if you're looking to make micro improvements all the time and really think about the fact that you're never really going to be as good as you could be. There's always more to be learned about, you know, if it's proprioception we're talking about, or if you could get more mobile or more flexible. Most of that stuff, a lot of the times, happens in the in the start of the session, doesn't it? Like in the mobilizing or in the rolling around on the mats, whatever it might be or whatever. That's kind of where you find a lot of that kind of striving to understand more and progress a lot of the time, I find. So I think you just kind of need to do it. And um, it's it's if you if you think about it like that, it doesn't feel like a chore. It feels like you're improving and stuff still. I consider it just as much of an important part of the workout. To be honest, mm. I get my clients to think the same. Um, like I do a lot of flexibility and mobility and normal movement work with my clients because I work with a lot of overweight people um, who are not looking to be as strong as possible or to like lift loads of weights. They just want to move and feel better. Mm. So we do a lot of working on moving and feeling better, which involves (laughs) some body weight stuff. That's good of you. Yeah. Some body weight stuff, some resistance training stuff, but also some stretching, even static stretching, just to just like steadily just try and loosen things out nice and well-rounded. And I try and get them. And I think they do see every part of it is just as important. The warm-ups are just as important as the resistance. That's just as important as the stretching. That's just as important as the mobility. Usually we do it in little circuits where I'll give them probably one body weight exercise like of a mobility style probably three resistance and then one stretch mm-hmm. and we'll do circuits that's of that nice, that's a nice. stretch of like a developmental stretch for something that they have specifically tight in yeah you have to kind of assess and yeah so they've got some, some, a lot of ladies I train have got really tight like backs of the ankles or sometimes hamstrings all the time glutes mm-hmm. quite a lot so I might give them whatever you, that stretch you just sort of have like a little screening process to see these um Immobility, or do you kind of let them naturally display themselves as people are moving around and see where they're restricted and then... Well, because I do a lot of... I'm not a yoga teacher, but I do a lot of stretching with people. I, I know rough... I can tell by watching someone do a few stretches where they're tight and where they're not tight by yeah, what yeah, positions yeah. they can get themselves into. Yeah, see, that is really, that's something a big difference between you and I. In what way? Uh, I've never... I don't think I've ever really put the time into statically stretching with people at, at least. Yeah. yeah, I can think. I'm thinking about it. I can remember you doing a lot of that. Yeah, I do. Nice. I do yoga style stretching, but I do not class it as yoga because yoga's specific patterns and poses in specific orders, yeah. and that's not yeah. what I do. I make up the not the poses, but the patterns, and I ju- I just make them up and I work on the areas that people I see that they need to work on. We don't go through the asanas of flipping sunshine good morning yoga just because it says we should. Yeah, we do the ones that. I feel like should, yeah. yeah, I feel like we should work on. So, it, and it is static stretching, but I don't necessarily class it as static stretching because it's not, it's never hold the hamstring for, for 30, 30 seconds, seconds. Okay, cool. and then steady. It's it's more like I'll get someone to put the legs out and reach this way and then reach this way oh, and that's then nice. reach this way and then reach this way. And if we do want to do straight reaches, we will, but we'll do reps of one. Yeah, that's nice. That's like a PNF kind of style, and I, pr- a bit, I prefer but I'm that not kind pushing of approach. Them. They're just doing it's. It's not dynamic stretching either. No, you can, but do, it's you can do like um, halfway a, an auto-regulated PNF, which is literally like you kind of dive in and out of where yeah. it would be un- too uncomfortable to stay yeah. in a stretch. And, and it doesn't nice. work on every muscle, but it works really well on the muscles that are stronger. Like I would never really do that on the groin; that'd be a bit intense. But on glutes and lower back, it's really good. Like if someone's got a tight lower back, one of the yeah, best things I do with people is. I'm just watching out for this wire second. I get them to make a diamond with yeah. their legs like that and then try and reach their yeah. head down. And I can only get to about there. But if I do 10 reps like this, look, I'll be able to easily. 
after a few reps, after a few more reps, I'll be able to get my legs behind my head. What do you feel stretching for you there? Sides of the leg and glute and lower back, that area. That is a chunky looking quad from here, looking Thank nice. You. Yeah. It's not bad that That's that bull, bull leg I was talking about right there. <laughs> Power. Um, so yeah, it is static stretching, but it's... Because that's what Much yoga, more mobile as a well. A bit, because that's what yoga's like. Yoga's not very hold. No, true. It's more, you're always moving a bit. You're always going from one pose to another, this side to that side, or just rocking. Even if you just hold the hamstring, it's never like this. It's always left, right, left, And it is better right. to move like it that. It is better, yeah, because it loosens to move. it. Yeah. yeah, it loosens it better. It's faster flexibility. The, the stronger the muscle is, the more you can do it with. Like, it's really good on, on I don't know what this stretch is called. Pigeon. Is it pigeon? Mm. It's pigeon when you when you Cossack. set up. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Go on. Anyway, it's not important for the listeners at yeah. home, but because it's a glute and the glute's like a thick, strong muscle, you can do reps right, of yeah, like, you bit, can pull yeah. it a bit more, like, whereas on the groin and the hamstrings, you don't, yeah, you're you right, don't want to do that, that that much. On hip flexors, I would never go hardcore, like, moving in it. Yeah, I wonder if what it is. Maybe there's like, um, they're too sensitive in More my sensitive, it's like, not strong muscles. Or if it's like a lymph node thing, because there are lymph nodes down there as well. I wonder. Yeah. But the, the lats, you could definitely do it on. And there are definitely, yeah. And there's armpit yeah. lymph nodes. True. So I don't think so it's maybe to do with that. It's just that now. some areas. There are some areas, like, the traps. For, or just a more sensitive area for everyone. To yeah, like, it's quite easy to pull yeah. a trap. Like you People could get stand on my, the middle of my back to try and massage it and I'd be fine. But yeah. like, well, a, like a small female and their thumbs on my traps would fuck me up. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so yeah. Um, do you think then we should get into some news articles of the week? We've, we've got the time. We've How been on for we... an hour. Okay. We've been on 56 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go through. We'll just try and not spend yeah. too long. Because um, some of these are good. Some of these are quite good this week. We're back news on top four. News of the week. News of the week. Because mm-hmm. um, last last week's news articles, I mean, Emma Stewart was on and the podcast was great. People have loved it. Excellent we've got news. double or triple views than we normally do. Uh-huh. Literally. Maybe we were looking prettier than usual. I think so. Yeah, that's, that's probably it. Must have been, yeah. right. must have been our excellent advice was particularly yeah. pertinent yeah. that week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the news articles sucked last week. <laughs> they super did. There was nothing going on at all. Everyone so decided boring. to not fitness that One of week. The first news article, the most popular news article mm, yeah. for health and fitness of the week was a lady from America went to Europe and drank normal milk. She drank cow's milk and then thought it was amazing. It's quality content, in America, man. people have alternate milks all the time. It's what I'm here for. And that was news. I was like, holy shit, this is bad. But we powered on. We powered <laughs> through and people enjoyed the show. Um, and we appreciate that. So today's first news article is from the Evening Standard. And this is a, a study that's come out. More than four in ten overweight Britons, so 40% of <laughs> overweight Britons are depressed due to their size. Mm. So people are unhappy. That's sad. 40% of overweight Britons are depressed due to their size. That's the t- title of the article. Article reads, I've just got a little section. More than four in 10 overweight people in the UK are depressed because of their size, signaling a growing mental health crisis, a poll has suggested. In a survey of over 2,000 people with a BMI over 25 by the NHS partner Aviva, 45% said they have felt depressed because of their weight and 25% said they stay at home as much as possible as a consequence of their size. Mm. People are unhappy and don't want to go outside. Yeah. I mean, some 20% of respondents also said they are worried about socialising because their weight puts them at increased risk um, of becoming seriously ill from coronavirus, it says. So four out of 10 people who are overweight in this study are depressed, they class themselves as, 
due to their weight. So people are overweight and they're not pleased about it. And people, <laughs> they don't want to go outside and they're also worried about COVID. All of this upsets me, to be honest. No, I mean, I'm used to it. Yes. Because every single person that comes to me is unhappy with their body weight. Yes. They might not be depressed. Some people definitely are. Not everyone. But every single person who comes to me is unhappy with their body weight. That's why they're coming for help. So I, I see this and deal with this every day. So it's perfectly normal to me. But just when I read the statistics, I just thought it was worth reading out because I just thought that's... I don't know. You know, there's loads of stuff going around at the minute. Body, body positivity, health and happiness at any size. Apparently not, no. people. Apparently the people who... I think are... it's an interesting thing. I think that that kind of thing is that it can go both ways and that you are at that size going to be... Maybe maybe depressed for both chemical and psychological reasons, you know. Like yep. you're not your body's in a state of of arrears is the thing, and the, it, the facts are that it isn't healthy to be um, fat. And if being depressed is unhealthy, maybe that's feeding into it. Who knows? But you're right. The mo- majority of it is more likely always going to be psychological, isn't it? It's, and and to that argument, how many overweight people are there out there that are just happy? So. No, for sure and no. I don't care about those people to be, not in a bad way I, I mean, don't care about I, mean, I didn't mean I don't care about those people what I mean is I'm not worried about those people yeah because if you're, if you're overweight and you're happy good because I, I can't come up with I mean we've spoke about meaning of life before and it's ridiculous this is it I can't really come up with any better reason than we should just, just try and be happy yeah. I hope that's the meaning of, or at least a large part the of the one argument lives. that anyone has against you and your profession is I'm happy not doing it no, and that's okay. That's not an argument against me because I do not tell anybody what they should eat or how much they should weigh or that they should lose weight at all until they ask me that for my advice and that I should tell them what to do. Every single person that I coach has approached me and said, hey, Connor, I feel like this. Will you help me? I have gone to zero people ever, even when I was a personal trainer. I never went up to a single person and said, hey, do you want personal training? Ever. Oh. Never in my life have I asked anybody if they want personal training. I've never told anybody that they should join my program. I tell some people sometimes that if they want free information and help, they could go to my Facebook page and follow it for free. Then it's up to them. They'll find out that I have a program. They're not stupid. They'll be able to see that I've got a program. They can join if they want. People come to me. Everybody else, I don't bug them. I've got enough people asking me to bug them that I can't go around bugging or caring about everybody else. I'm just one man, literally. Um, <laughs> Ooh, and the rant was real. Sorry, I know. No, that was good. I, I feel Honestly, it. I feel passionate about it. You feel things. better for having said it. I made a live video. Yeah. And I was, I mean, <gasps> yesterday I was kicking off. Were you Jim Carrey? And <gasps> to, my, to my members, I was shouting and oh. kicking off. Someone I also did a, pod- a, I also did a solo list. podcast about exercise, about why people should exercise. And I, sh- I, I planned it for, to be about... 20 minutes, I shouted for 70 minutes. I heard <laughs> 70. The podcast's uploaded now. It's on Spotify and but iTunes. This is it, man. Hey, it's an endearing quality. We see it as passion. I called it Not exercise colon, the rant of a lifetime. <laughs> I literally just made a few notes about why people should exercise and then just started shouting. <laughs> At the internet in general. I was stood up pacing this room, holding the, <laughs> holding the microphone, just shouting about things for like 70 minutes. I just can't help it sometimes. Um... So with this, all I wanted to say is that it just highlights to me that people are just unhappy due to this, due to these weight management problems that they're experiencing. And it can be sorted. We can do something about it. You help people with it every day. I help people with it every day. I see people in these situations every day. If you're depressed, people listening, if you're depressed because of your body weight, you are depressed because of the foods that you're eating. 
Yes, of because that's what's causing the body weight to be what it is. And I know that you eat the foods that you eat because you think they're making you happy. I understand. That's why you eat so many takeaways and you drink so much alcohol and why you have all these little snacks. And, oh, let's have some crisps while I'm watching TV at night. I know. You think it makes you happy. It's making you fucking 40% of everyone depressed. If it's making you depressed, you need to take a step back. We all need to take a step back and look at these things in your life and you think they're making you happy and that's why you're you're doing them. Are they really? In the macro, in the sorry, in the micro, in the short term, maybe they are. It is pleasurable to drink and eat snacks. We love it too. We also drink and eat snacks. But in the long term, if it's making you feel like this, you just need to make some changes. It's just food. It's not worth being depressed for. It's just what no. you eat. You know, if you eat better, you'll actually feel better. Because as well, it's not that it's a switch as well. Like you're saying that it's... Because that's where it comes from, that you think you need to just stop eating like this. People like, do feel like that, don't they? Like they to stop oh, I need weight. to stop all this eating. Yeah. No, you don't. You just need to eat a couple of different things. You're already eating every single day. This is what people say to me. Yeah, I, people say to me all the time, oh, I haven't got time to focus on my food or I've not been Don't focus on anything. Me. Eat less of it. Do less. This is what I try and Put explain less to people. on the plate. Buy pe- less. Cook less. <laughs> I understand people don't always have time to think about their food. And I, I understand. But regardless, whether you're busy, whether you're stressed, no matter what the kids are doing, whether you're at work or not, whether you got stuck at yeah. work, whatever's going on in your life, you still eat food every single day. Somehow you're managing to take time, two or three, sometimes more times per day if you're snacking as well. You're eating food every, oh, I'm too busy to like look after my health. Are you? Because you're already looking after your health in some way. You're eating every day. We don't, have to, we don't have to stop that. We don't have to create more time. Like you said, there's loads of, you were just naming easy tools and tactics that we could use. Little things that you can change like, to make wor- a big impact. Worst case scenario, you, you, don't, you don't actually have the time to change anything and you've, or just working with the current time slots that you've got for food. You literally just start eating less and then that's just, you can literally just, anything. you can literally just get your normal meals, what you usually have, put them on the plate, then eat two thirds of it and then put one third in the bin. Yeah. Your calorie intake overall will go down by one that third. That is an option, weight. yeah. I use easy tactics and tools like this with my Six Steps of Slim members all the time. One of the most common things I hear is, or people, someone will text me or on the phone or in a consultation, hey, I'm I'm, get, I'm at work and I just, I've got no time. I've got literally half an hour break. I need to run out. I, I grab a meal deal and then I run back into work. Yeah. I'm like, fine. This is, I'm not going to change that. I'm not saying you need to get a longer break. I'm not saying you even can't buy a meal deal. It's just when you buy the meal deal, what do you buy? Because some <laughs> of the sandwiches are 200 calories and some of them are 550 some of the side little things you can get, some are fruit and some are 250 calorie chocolate bars. Some of the drinks you can get, one's a diet Coke, which is one calorie, and one's a normal Coke, which is 200 calories. What are we getting? Do you know what I mean? And you don't like, have to do. Oh. <laughs> yeah. These, there's easy swaps you can make. You don't have to not have a meal deal. You don't have to not have a takeaway. You can just get a smaller takeaway or a healthier one. There is, a smaller there is, or a healthier meal yeah, deal. There are crazy swaps you can take. Like, these days, there's that much flexibility in food. It's mad. It's crazy how much you can condense all the nutrition you need in a day as well, like calorie-wise. What do you mean, in what way? Like, if you're just looking even from a basic point of view, from more, more just like protein and like a couple of vitamins, whatever this, that and the other, how how few calories you can put like 150 grams of say protein in or something, if that's if that alone was all you were looking to get out of your nutrition. How easy you can get your nutritional requirements. That's what, you that's what I'm saying, yeah. Like, yeah. It's how, and how low you can keep the calories to still get them all. It's... Some people do it with a multivitamin and two Huel shakes. <laughs> you can... Do you know what I mean? You can make it's it easier. Like, these days it's basically... Yeah. Like these meal replacement shakes, like Huel, not that I'm saying Huel's the best or the worst, but... It's kind of like space food. It's got like fiber, carbs, fats, proteins, vitamins, minerals. They put like dried omega-3s and stuff in it. It's like, all right That's then. Good, I'm not saying it's not as good as whole food. There's no way. It's, not, ah, it's never going to be. No, but yeah. it's it's decent, isn't it? You don't have to do much. Well, to it's get... better than the inevitable opposite, which is that just 
no one is going to get source all of those things themselves. Consuming processed sludge is most people's opposite. They just eat just yeah. processed junk food. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think we should leave that article Agreed. to you. But I, I just wanted to say to people, if you're feeling depressed by your body weight, it's just eating different things. We can do this. Yeah. You can start moving. You'll feel better. You won't be in as much pain. You'll feel lighter. You'll you'll sleep better. Then you'll wake up better. Then you'll move through the day better. Then you'll go to sleep again better at night. Everything will feel better. This is something I've never really thought before, but... What would you would see if you'd have an answer for this or not? I would say that if you got someone that was overweight and that was starting today on their new routine of trying to lose weight and get healthy, go to the gym, whatever it is, kind yes. of thing, I'd say you've probably got about two weeks to slug through of it feeling worse for most from most angles okay. until you start getting kind of like that snowballing effect as well as general happiness from seeing some results and like actual chemical hormonal okay. differences in you i'd say you've got like a two-week sludge so if you're out there and you're thinking like i don't want to start you can kind of start your timer and be like if i do everything right today from two weeks from now the ball's rolling and i'm, and I'm in yep. the thick of it kind of thing what would you say i would say yes and no because it depends who you are that's a good point some people when they come to me and they start dieting they there's no two weeks of feeling shit they immediately feel better especially if you've got diabetes or you're really overweight or you're in pain or some people when they cut down the food and they start eating immediately they feel better they're not as bloated some people will lose half a stone to a stone in the first week of just bloat and water and they just think oh my god i'm not bloated i slept a bit better my energy levels are better some people immediately feel better some people if, especially if you're slimmer the slimmer you are, yeah. the, the more aggressive the calorie deficit is going to feel in terms of diet fatigue on you because you've got something called energy availability. This is how much energy you've literally got. Most of it's in body fat or food. Some's like internal muscle stores, yeah. but it's mostly fat and food. If you don't have much fat and you don't eat much food, you've not really got much. So your energy availability when you're slimmer, like if someone slimmer starts to diet, yes, you're right. They might feel a bit, mm -hmm. they might take a couple of days to get used to. For me to get people around this, I try and blend people into diets. I try and take it steady and look for... It's, it's, it's a delicate balance because you don't want to go too steady at the start because all studies show and people feel that the faster people get results at the beginning, the more buy-in and motivation they'll have to continue. So, you know, if somebody diets for two weeks and they don't see a result, chance of fucking it off and not continuing, high. You need people to get a good result right at the beginning, no matter what it is essentially, to get good buy-in and good motivation for you and them and the team of both of you together to continue. So I need people to get a good result at the beginning. But I always tell people, if what we're doing makes you feel worse, we're probably doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And it depends what your, client, what your client's goals are, but like I said earlier, most of my clients want to feel better. That's their number one thing. It doesn't matter how fast they are or how strong they are really, or even really for a lot of people, how much they weigh. They just want to feel better in whatever ways that has to come about well, it's probably a bit of all of it yeah it's probably a bit of all of it and it's different for different people but they want to feel better so i always tell people if we do anything and it makes you feel worse probably it's the wrong thing <laughs> you know if we start dropping calories and you're feeling worse you're dieting to feel better probably we're dropping too many calories or maybe we've something's going wrong if your energy levels are feeling poor if your cravings are getting out of control if your hunger's getting out of control if we're exercising it's making you feel like shit we're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. We're trying to exercise to feel good. You should be feeling motivated after the session. And maybe you're tired, but if you're getting paid, you know, if it, it seems like it's going wrong. So I understand what you mean. It can take a bit of a, a, any changes you make in your body or lifestyle, it takes a bit of time to get used to. It's tricky as well to know the difference between what is kind of like that. Yeah, I think that would be tricky to know the difference. What's the difference between the feeling of 
I'm yeah, energy's low, fatigue, whatever, because literally it is, and you need that. That's the state that you need to be in for a little bit. Yeah. Versus like it, or the unnecessary kind. Yeah. Of versus it's going too far. Because it is. I mean, yes. like it is. It does just feel a bit miserable sometimes. Sometimes it does. Yeah. And what I always try and explain to my clients is what usually happens is people will start my pro. Well, this always happens. People mm. will start my program and then they'll overeat at some point. Everybody overeats at some point, don't they? I overeat. Yeah. You overeat. Everybody overeats. It's just. It's, and I, I set them up for this at the beginning. I say, please don't think that we're just going to have this conversation. You're going to start this program and then just start eating perfectly. You're taking the piss out of both of us if you think that's going to happen. Literally, there's no chance. There's no chance. You've been eating poor your entire life and then you just have one phone call with me and now we're just Jesus, are we? <laughs> now we're nutritional Jesus. I mean, yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. So they're going to overeat at some point and it's normal. I expect it. I tell them to expect it. I'm not going to be angry. They shouldn't be angry about it. But how long it takes them to overeat and then the amount that they overeat is the indication to me of how much diet fatigue they built up. You know, if somebody diets for a month and then they can't stop overeating for two weeks, yeah. that's fucking way too Didn't much. Work. No, that's way too much. If you diet for a week or two and then you just have one meal and you and I get a text, hey Connor, I had a takeaway last night with my partner or kids. Grand, getting back tomorrow to I'm it. getting back on it I'm, and I'm going to do a good step count today. I'm thinking, fine, this is perfectly normal. Yeah, you did, this, right. is, this is good eating and then they've had a little relax, maybe eating a bit, then back on it. If somebody's diet, 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 and then the second it's out of control, it's out of control, I'm going to look at that time period of how much pressure we were putting on them through exercise and, and dieting, and I'm going to take it down. Yeah. If they do two weeks of dieting, and then they can't stop overeating for a week, it's not because we, need to, we need to take it down. You're getting back towards times then that can start to be negative and affect, like get started to put back on weight, and before you know it, then you're yo-yo dieting. You yeah, just, that's really, exactly You don't it. really go down. And these. this is a more sensitive situation the slimmy while. Like I've been coaching Emma Stewart, who was here last time, a bit on nutrition just for nothing serious, just a bit of chatting back and forth mm-hmm. and a bit of accountability and stuff because she's dieting for her holiday. And I explained the exact same thing to her because she's already slim, but trying to get super slim. It's a very sensitive process where... If she tried to have a calorie deficit every day for a week, that's a terrible idea in my opinion. That's mm-hmm. way too long. She should be thinking about doing more like three days or four days of, of calorie deficit and then taking one or two days off of a bit more food, a bit yeah. more carbs, get your energy levels back up, sleep a bit better, your training will boost back up yeah. a bit hopefully. Then do a couple more days. I'm not even thinking in terms of, you know, with somebody so slim and active, I'm not even thinking in terms of how many weeks are we going. I'm thinking, I do this with me as well. Yeah, I can't do more than three days of a calorie deficit. No, you do, because yeah, moving around that active with so little mobilized energy on you. Yeah, exactly. And and, and calorie deficit yeah. wrecks me. Like, so some yeah. people come to my program, they're like, ah, oh, I can only diet for like three or four weeks and then I overeat everything. Yeah. I'm like, firstly, you're way better than me because I diet for three or four days and then I overeat everything. Like I'm making homemade pizzas straight after this. Because I, <laughs> I, know you I I literally need to get more calories in. I'm doing it on purpose. Because <laughs> I know if I don't eat more at some point, I'm going to end up overeating. And I don't even overeat junk food. I overeat real food. Yeah, it's an interesting I just get unbelievably approach. hungry. Sort of drip feed the, the satiation and the lust to control the explosion of... This is how it has to go. The more weight somebody's got to lose, the 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 less aggressive the diet will feel to them because they've got that energy availability. Yeah. They've already got enough energy stores on their body will it still feel a bit tough it will yes. but if someone comes to me with you're still going to have your, the legitimate just hunger yes but. some people come to me with 10 stone to lose sometimes they can get through the first five stone without a break oh shit 
or at least a and couple yeah, of months, right, at least a couple of months, they can do a good couple of months of healthy eating and dieting and training before they start to feel really fatigued. And then I have to start saying to them, look, you've been dieting for a long time. You need to chill for like a week or two, maybe three weeks, eat calorie maintenance, scale back your exercise, just take a break, mm-hmm. chunk it. We've done it. You've just lost four or five stone for the love of God. Just take a break for a minute, get your energy levels back up and chill, and then we'll continue on the rest of it. And the slimmer somebody is, the more of these breaks you've got to put in, like maintenance and diet breaks. It comes from bodybuilding, doesn't it? Like if you look at somebody who's doing like a show prep for a photo shoot or a bodybuilding show, they don't do like a 12-week prep in one go. It'll have car- yeah. carbohydrate refeeds and calorie refeeds and stuff like this. And the, cl- the leaner they get and the closer to the show, the more refeeds you've got to put in so that their energy levels don't just tank and the cravings don't go wild and they can't control it. So it's the same. So as, pe- as people get slimmer... Um, it's a whole lot of nutrition there. I don't know about. <laughs> that's uh, is that stuff. That's, uh, yeah, that goes above and beyond me a little bit. No, it, no it's basics. It's yeah. basics. Yeah, you understand all this stuff. I mean, yes, but yeah, after a little bit, I switch off to that kind of nutrition. Stuff. Sorry, maybe the, maybe we've got it no does, listeners at home anymore. Oh no, no, no! It just gets. It's just not my thing, is it? That's well. That's why we have you. No, well, that's why we're here as a team. That's why we're here as a team. Your side is the more exercise side, exactly. Bit, isn't it? Exactly. Um, but like I said to you before the show, this is what happens when you don't bring any news articles. You end up talking about what I like to talk about because I'm the one that gets all the goddamn news. Yeah, well. So it always it ends happens. up with my bias. It so happens, I'm sorry. bro. It happens I'm sorry. when I'm an idiot. Well, you can. Which bring, is often. You can you can bring your own news and then we can. I could. I've actually got some good exercise. I stuff could, but don't I'm going to skip forward. To these next two, because I think you'll like these. Okay. Two brand new studies that have come out, and I think you'll like them. Hit me with the new news. This first the one's news. from the University of Cambridge, August 23rd. So it's oh shit. recent. Ago. It's like a week I'm ago. Sorry, yeah. um, it's like a week ago. Um, yeah, it's September now. Oh my st- God. St- it's, no, it's, um, it's the 31st of August, sir. Is it? Yeah. I wrote the f- you just first September got all in my of books the, today. All of those dates wrong. What, sorry? I, I put the first September in all my books today. Well, it's okay. It's You're going to be okay. Title of the study, Mathematical Model Predicts Best Way to Build Muscle. What? Mathematical Model Predicts Best Way to Build Muscle. You're going to like this, I told you. I can't even... I'm going to like this. Begin... Can I read then? It's, yeah. not, it's not very long. I've cut out most of it because it go was on, long. Go I've, got, I've basically got three paragraphs which explain I it. I am intrigued. The researchers from the University of Cambridge used methods of theoriological... Sorry, <laughs> I said the complete wrong word. Theoretical biophysics to construct the model, which can tell us how much a specific amount of exertion will cause a muscle to grow and how long that will take. The model could form the basis of a software product where users could optimize their exercise regimes by entering a few details of their individual physiology. The model is based on earlier work by the same team, which found that a component of muscle called titin is responsible for generating the chemical signals which affect muscle growth. The results reported in the biophysical journal suggested that there is an optimal weight at which to do resistance training for each person and each muscle growth target. Muscles can only be near their maximal load for a very short amount of time, and it is the load integrated over the time which activates the cell signaling pathways that leads to the synthesis of new muscle proteins. But below a certain value, the load is insufficient. I'm nearly done. But below a certain value, the load is insufficient to cause much signaling, and exercise time would have to increase exponentially to compensate. The value of this critical load is likely to depend on the particular physiology of the individual. 
Did that make sense so far or not? I've never heard anyone say no discomfort, no expansion in a more complicated way. That's the funniest shit ever, no pain, no gain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got it. I'm glad Bro, you got it's, it. That's per- it's perfect though. And it also- It's spot on. I mean- It the, also said, don't lift too light. It said you gotta lift heavy. Bro. Yeah, for the sake of like- cause Everybody wanna be a bodybuilder. So Nobody wanna lift <laughs> yeah, no heavy, heavy ass weight. weight. That's what it said. That's exactly what it said. I can't, oh wait, to re- I can't wait to read you the conclusion. Man, Go on though first. so good. Uh, do I need to say anything on this or conclusion first? Just the conclusion's hilarious. Go. Oh, God, the okay. conclusion's even better. That was good. Are you ready? I want you to send me this after, by the way. Because, so. please. Yeah. I'm going to read out again the complicated conclusion, and I want you to tell me in like the three word, one sentence answer what, <laughs> what it's actually saying again. Because you just nailed it on the head that time. That had the most words ever no, to say you've no got expansion. to actually train hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. lift some weights. The conclusion of the study is this. Our model offers a physiological basis for the idea that muscle growth mainly occurs at 70% of the maximal load, which is ideal for resistance training. (laughs) Below that, the operating rate of titan kinase drops precipitously and precludes mechanosensitive signaling from taking place. Above that, the rapid exhaustion presents a good outcome, which our model has quantitatively predicted. Do you know what that means? Yeah. It, 70% yeah, it's of saying, one rep max. It's saying training at 70% of It says do 10 reps, bro. Yeah, it's just saying... It says do 10 reps, bro. I love it. 70% 10 reps? I think Albert or is it, Einstein or is it 12 15? Yeah, it? I thought exactly what about it would be. In that, it's just Google. that rep range, it'd be like 8 to eight to 12. Yeah. Let me Google what 70% of one rep max. What would you mean? What It'd be whatever your one rep max is, isn't it? Um, as like a rep range. Uh, oh, it says 13 reps oh, is on average. Oh, on an actual like charted thing. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it'll, it'll be somewhere there. It and says 10 to 13 yeah, reps. It's not wrong. Like that's spot on. The biggest drivers in hypertrophy are what? Volume and sheer load. Yes. And so you would need a complete split between the two. I guess. Well, um, sheer load is a part of volume, but I think you mean mechanical tension. Mechanical tension, sorry. Uh, yeah. I'm saying load. There's like mechanical ex- tension. External load, I'm meaning like stimulus. Yeah. You know, load is in stimulus. Yeah, There's mechanical, mechanical tension. tension. And volume um, are about the two main drivers in muscle growth. So yeah, that basically means try and lift as heavy as you can, but lift it for as many as you can. So figure out the middle ground between that, do 10 reps. <laughs> it says pretty much do 10 reps, bro. That's what it said? And yeah. you got to lift. It said lift the heaviest thing as many times as you can. 10 times. <laughs> um, the I like that though. That was really cool. It's funny, isn't it? it? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was really, it was about if you, if 50 you can times just longer. about keep up with it, it just makes perfect sense. It's harder for you as well because I'm reading it to you. So you've got to try and listen to my voice. And it like did make perfect the, sense though. That, that's good because it's easier for me because I'm reading yeah. it. So, you know, but you've got to just listen to it. But I loved how you just got it straight away. Um, the three factors for muscle growth are mechanical tension, muscle damage, and metabolic stress. Yeah, yeah. They're the three. You've got to actually damage the muscle, you need mechanical tension, and then metabolic stress from like getting a pump and... So volume. Metabolite. That's what I call volume. Yeah, uh, yeah volume is sets times reps times weight times distance, isn't yeah. it? It's how t- volume's total work done. Yeah. Three factors of muscle growth are tensions required, because you can't just do light weights for loads of reps, otherwise that'd be... Vol- if volume was the only main driver, then doing just the bar for 10,000 reps at equal loads of volume, the, yeah. and that doesn't work, does it? Yeah. You need the actual mechanical heavy stimulus of it. You need the muscle damage. And then the third factor is, um, what did I say it was called? Metabolic stress, that one? Yes, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Metabolic stress. Yeah, um, which just comes from yeah high volume, doesn't it? 
It comes from Generally. your actual muscles burning fuel. It's the byproducts like the exhaust fumes that come out of the back of a car, which that, that's what, you know, when, what's what's that type of training? Occlusion. Blood flow, yeah. yeah. Blood flow restriction training. Yeah, occlusion training. That's what that does. It pulls the metabolites that are created through the burning of energy inside the muscle, inside the muscle, such as lactate, lactic acid, mm. isn't it? Mm. Um, Would be, yeah. Which melts the muscle from the inside out and causes muscle damage. And then that's a factor. Of and there is legitimate well. research behind that. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's real cool. It's yeah. hard to do that shit. Um, I don't like too. it, and it's it not. Effective. It's not practical. It's not effective compared not to, compared to increase of volume, compared to just mechanical train, stress. Yeah. yeah, and the normal metabolic stress just that goes through training. Train. You can increase it a little bit by putting fucking mm. elastic bands around your muscles, but it also makes you weaker. So yep. overall, yep, it works as like an extra pump technique if you're a body. It would be like the last exercise, especially if you're on steroids. Because guess what else is in the ding, blood, ding, which ding, then ding, would pull ding, into the muscle? Yes, steroid hormones. So if you're on steroids, I would imagine that's not science. I've just made that up. But I bet any money it works better on people than if on you're steroids. on steroids. You've got a lot of time and energy to stand there doing occlusion curls in the mirror. Good fun. Good study, though. Eh? Basically, they found mm. lift ten reps, bro. Um, then, but do you remember what it was called at the beginning? <laughs> Mathematical model predicts best way to build muscle, <laughs> yeah! and they've come out with do ten reps. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like you're they the couldn't ultimate have gone through a scenic route there. That was honestly perfect. You're the ultimate, bro. So um, next um, article then, yes? The ultimate break. And then I'll just mention one thing at the yeah, end man. and then we'll conclude, do you think? We've been one hour 20, that's not bad. This one's nice as well. Um, this is from August 24th. So again, this is a really recent study. This has come out of the European Society of Cardiology. Um, and it's called, It's Never Too Late to Get Active. A study in more than 30,000 heart patients shows that becoming active later in life can be nearly as beneficial for survival as continued activity throughout life. They found, I'll just summarise, that people's risk of cardiac and all forms of death was 50% lower if they exercised across life. Mm -hmm. So exercise gave you 50% better survival rates. People who started exercising later in life, above the age of 60, 45% chance reduction. So it's all so close. Exercising when you're young doesn't seem to do much. Close. It yeah. matters more yeah. that you exercise as you get older. That's when you need it. Which I can believe that. Like if I now as whatever, if I like spent the next twenty years of my life getting stupidly obese and not moving and then keep yeah, these, brought it this back exercise around, you've done now will not help you later. No, no. But then in say say if I got to forty and was fat and thought, oh shit, by forty five I could be in as good as Nick as I am now probably maybe limited by mechanical injuries and stress of like my body being older but nothing other than that would stop me and from then i would just have had that would then be my sort of the new homeostasis yeah, for the, the rest of life yeah you're so exactly you can just right. do it whenever you want yeah yeah you're exactly right i mean it's just, do it's it nice, earlier in life it's never too live late. a better life for the sake of enjoyment and quality of life I can jump pretty high. That's kind of cool. But, you know, do whatever you want. <laughs> and again, I've chopped this down low. But another thing that they found was people who exercised and then stopped, their risk went up by 20%, it says. Yeah, I can bet that because you so kind of come with the confidence your fitness just drops sometimes. off, doesn't it? And sometimes, yeah, you keep the confidence of thinking you can still do things and then going for it and not being able to can injure you, can't it? Just thought that was really nice. So 50% lower chance of all risk mortality, all causes of death, essentially, and cardiac things if you exercise across your life. But if you start later, when those things might start to become a problem, you can still reduce your risk by 45%. That's great. So that article's basically just saying it's just never too it, late people. to start. It's called, it's called It's Never Too Late to Get Active. Oh, yeah. look at that. That's I just nice. thought that was really nice. I agree. That's really nice. And so, true. Yeah, just good facts to remember, isn't it? Good motivation mm. for people. And then last thing I'll remember, I'll not go into this, but... 
Um, this is an article from verywellfit.com, but it's about a study, but I've not got the link to the actual study. Um, article reads, part of anyway, shortened down by me. For the study, researchers looked at the intake of ultra-processed foods in more than 33,000 people from the ages of 2 to 19. So they were looking at how much junk food, basically, ultra-processed foods, mm -hmm. and it does clarify what counts as an ultra-processed yes. food. It's like crisps, chocolate, right. ready meals, snacks. Just what, snacks. just junk food, just what you'd think. Just junk food. They, they looked at 33,000 kids. I'm pretty sure this is in America from the age of 2 to 19 because it's from the Central Disease of Control Prevention, the CDC, so that's an American thing. They collected this information from 1999 to 2018. Jesus. So it's a, it's a big study. There's 33,000 people in America, which is very similar to our sort of society yeah. and people. We're very similar. So this is not about us in the UK, but it's very similar. We could sort of cross it over close enough. The percentage of calories in the children's diets coming from ultra-processed food has now risen to 67%. Two-thirds... In three, 30 years, was that? Um, it's been a steady increase, Crazy. basically. It showed you a graph, and there was a steady increase across like each year, basically. But it's just it's just a point that I just thought, wow, when I just saw those stats, 67... Two-thirds of kids' calories are coming from ultra-processed junk food. Yeah, that's bad, that, isn't it? I mean, it's bad. Because you remember, like, was it last episode we were talking about, like... Should they change the prices of things, junk food, so it's what do we have to say more expensive to discourage people from eating it? And we were like, no, everyone should be free to eat whatever they want. Yeah, that won't work really. But we've but this is a it's like, like we bought less carry bags almost now like that they cost the, 20p. Yeah, no. this is almost like the, the, <laughs> the opposite argument of that, isn't it? It's like, well, look, people are getting fat and eating junk food, it's kind of scary, isn't it? Six, yeah, all I wanted to say about this is it's not good, it ain't good, kids, and no, and cut it out. Parents, not that I am a parent, and I don't really like talking about children, because every time I talk about children, all the parents just say, yeah, but you haven't got children, so you don't know what it's like. And no, you're right. I actually can't have children. I'm actually infertile. So it's not that I actually... So you can try and use that against me if you want. But it's not that it's I don't a good want, joke. It's not that I don't want to be a father. It's that I actually don't have sperm, so please berate me some more for and, something. And there are still facts at play. As to and that's what I'm saying. It's still right. Human is, I'm still right. Yeah. Not because I haven't got children. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. That's no, arguing ad hominem, which yeah. means against arguing against the person, not the article. Yeah. If you want to get technical, as I often do. <laughs> so, yeah. parents, just for your information. Just because kids run around all day and because they're little kids, some parents assume, I get this feeling, that they think it's all right for kids to eat junk food. They're like, oh, I get in sweets and snacks for the kids. I just want you to really understand the baseline nutrition of it is if we, as adults, ate some chocolate or a dessert or a pudding or a takeaway and you think it's a lot of calories and bad for you, Calories scales by human size. Imagine a yeah. tiny little person. Kids don't really have that much of a faster metabolism. They don't, as a baseline, have a faster metabolism than people. It's just because they run around, than adults, I mean, it's just because they run around they more. They do more and they're it's, growing, but that's such a little bit. The growing adds process. a little bit, but it's, you know, like, yeah, come on. It doesn't boost your metabolism like crazy. They are growing. They're not growing. As you don't much need double food as a or big anything. man is using energy. To You're exactly that. right. You're exactly. They just they're just active, but yeah. they're small people. They're small. They don't require much food. Yeah. They've actually got great cardio systems. It's been shown in studies that kids buffer lactate out of muscles as well as professional athletes. Oh, cool. That's why kids can run forever and they never get tired. Oh shit! They've got cool. intense lactate buffering. They've got amazing cardio. So so they've got good fitness. They're light. They're not burning that many calories anyway when they're running around. If you're eating junk food and takeaway, and you think it's making you overweight and ill and unhealthy healthy and you think it's a lot of calories and shit for you now scale yourself down four times to the yeah. size of a child and then feed it to your kid this makes no sense 
Yeah. And I'm not meaning to call people out. I eat junk food. I ate junk food as a kid. As a, I was going to say myself. I ate junk food as a kid. I got. I can think of maybe even weekly having junk food as a kid, like as and maybe a small I had takeaway. Daily, bro. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I was maybe allowed to take away a week or something. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mum made. I was quite lucky. Um, good home cooked food. She made a lot of like Yorkshire food, like stews and Sunday dinners and pies with like meat and vegetables in and stuff like that. But I still ate loads of chocolate and loads of pizzas and loads of just like kids' foods when I was a kid and sweets. And you go to the ice cream man and yay! And um, I mean, it's okay, it's okay <laughs> as long as your kids looking healthy and looking happy. You've just also got to be careful because it's not just because they're kids that they can just consume all this processed sugar and fat and it just doesn't do anything to them. It also sets them up for life. Ladies and gentlemen listening, if you've struggled with obesity and weight management all your life and then you're feeding your children the foods that you struggle with, you're setting them up as a child to expect these foods as normal for the rest of their entire life. When they're your age, they're probably going to see the, be the same. You're setting them up for the same struggles that you're going through, that you're, you will, you are listening to this podcast to get out of these struggles for some kind of healthy and exercise motivation and then putting your kids into the same pattern and situation that you went through. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I mean, you've got to give kids some sweets. I get it. You've got to bribe them sometimes to do things. And it's it, life's for living, isn't it? But I just wanted to mention, and I'll stop now, that you just can't just feed shit to kids just because they're younger. They're not like just magical garbage disposal systems. It's just as shit for them, even if not more, as it is for you. So it's disgusting. It's only right to give someone as blank canvas and as completely malleably yours as your kid. It's only right to elevate them as to as high a position as you can to let them reach for the stars, you know? And then if they choose to fall flat on their ass <coughs> and get fat and whatever and be unathletic. There's only so much you can do, but you know, there's stuff you can cool, do. you've fucking tried. But if you leave your kid on the floor and you're like, nah, you're not going to be athletic, you're not going to be, you're going to be fat. This is, I'm feeding you up to be this, that and the other. I know it isn't as simple as that and I know that's not how you would see it as a parent. But again, that is how you're right. It's not setting up the kid in the best way. It isn't good. It's you your just, responsibility. You, yeah, you're quitting them. What, would you not send them to school? No, it's you get you, to brush the but, teeth. But you're leaving their their physicality behind. You're leaving their health in their childhood. What I think a lot of it is people don't understand how much nutrition actually affects people. They don't. I think they actually don't understand. They're not making the link of. They think, oh, I'll just give the, the kid, give the kid chocolate. You know what? Like, and that's the end of it. They just think, oh, it's chocolate. It's nice. The kid will like it. I disagree. I think people understand and are ignorant as fuck because people know if they're fat why they're fat and they know how they would lose weight even if it's as simple as oh i'd start eating less but then their next thing is oh but i could never do that oh that how would i do Some ever people even do that for sure it's just it's just do it <laughs> and with children a lot of people say oh yeah but my kids like it i have to get it in for the kids no kids don't know what's good for them you need to stop Kids, do, would you like you give kids food they eat it you just imagine if you bought your kid every toy that they wanted or if you let them, I don't know, you, you, you don't ask, you can't just trust what they want. They, it's a six-year-old or a four-year-old <laughs> yeah. or an eight-year-old. Yeah. They don't know, they don't have cognitive reasoning and thoughts of the future. You spend half understand. your time running around getting them to not run into the road and then listen to them when they point at things for what they want to eat. Yeah, You can't it, just pick cherry picks. Is the child running the house's nutrition? Come on now. What's going on? Are we all come eating like children yeah. now? And then do we wonder why it's going wrong? Exactly. Anyway. I'm sorry for bringing that up. Stop being um, dumb, people. I I'm sorry for bringing that up, and I know it's not my place, and I don't have children, and you don't have children, so you don't. I also don't have children, and I also I get understand. it. I can't have children. I'm sorry. I would love to be a parent. I'm just. I can't have not children. Not as fertile. I don't, as yeah, I don't think. Not as fertile. Not quite. Oh. Got nothing going on downstairs, sir. That's sad for you. I'm um, exactly. What, what was that guy you showed the picture of when Emma was here? That cartoon that looks like me. 
<laughs> one Punch Man. One Punch Man. I'm exactly like him. I'm just smooth. Where the crotches. Yeah, you're a like an doll. action man. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they got it, they got it wrong. Just smooth. Took the peen as well. And there's a continuous taint mm. from my belly button round to the back. Action figure style. Just smooth, yeah, baby, baby, like yeah. a dolphin. It's not a bad look, you know. Yeah. It is a bad look. If it's it quite real. utilitarian. But there's a film with someone. Who what does that mean? That. It's quite utilitarian. What's it's not mean? in the way, then, is it? You look at you. You're all designed for. What you designed for war and for being efficient? I'm designed for war. If I don't have what? Yeah, like how they end this you, podcast. You've got no distraction. Wild. They do it with it dogs, even... don't they? Now, now you you now you're bred for focusing on fighting and war. I'm googling, and in... I'm googling utilitarian. I wonder if that is a thing for you Desi- actually. <laughs> Very utilitarian. You've used the exact correct word. I know I have. Connor. It says I didn't really. If you ask me what what is the definition of utilitarian, I don't know. It says designed to be useful rather than practical or no. It says designed to be useful or practical rather than attractive. See, if you ask me the definition of utilitarian, I do know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, you do know. Um, designed yeah. to be useful or practical rather than attractive. See? That's hilarious. Imagine if you called someone utilitarian. <laughs> yeah, you're useful but ugly. But well, I feel like they, I've been they called might not utilitarian know, before. They might, they might not know what he's calling them. So, oh, you utilitarian. That's a good insult. Ah, yeah, it's, look at you. Put a spin on it. Dress it up in a little hat and coat and make it sound nice. Can't have you without utilitarian. <laughs> can't have utilitarian without you. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's good, bro. That's real good. Is it the end of the podcast, sir? I think it is, man. We've pissed enough people off. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Connor. Lovely to speak to you. Lovely to speak Same to again you. Next Thank week. you for listening. I'm, we should hopefully have Dan Kavanagh coming next week. Yeah. Hopefully. And all of his wisdom. I don't know if Emma will come Forward as well. She wanted to come this week, but she Ooh, was ill today. That'd be a powerful so one. If we have four on, yeah. don't know how that'll go. Um, we'll Let's find out. We'll see you there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank mm-hmm. you. We'll speak to you and we'll see you again soon.